The following conversation is intended for a mature audience, even though the conversation may be immature. The stories are 100% true and no names have been changed to protect anybody. If you are easily offended, you should probably stop listening immediately. For the rest of you, welcome to Comedy Bombcast. Familiar voices back in your ear holes. It's a Comedy Bombcast. My name is Kevin Klein. It's good to be back with a comedian, maybe the first person I called when I decided I was going to start doing this show for Live by Live because uh, I knew that this guy has some stories. I was lucky enough to work with this gentleman on a branded web series long before branded web series were even a thing. I think that uh, Ben Glebe and I maybe did the first ever branded web series. Is that possible? Yeah, probably not, but yes, it's, yeah. it's possible. Definitely the shortest-lived branded shortest web series. Shortest-lived, for sure. The uh, concept was we showed up with a bottle of whiskey and a couch, and uh, celebrities uh, let us in their place. And I think a few of the people we had on that show are now dead, so I think we're cursed or something True. like that. and it's the only web series where where I got to shave in the pool at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. While you were in the pool. And that's, that, that is true. In my shaved pieces. He, that is disgusting because I'm still washing them off me. And also uh, uh, the late, great Rowdy Roddy Piper put, yes. you in the, uh, put you in a sleeper hold. Yeah, a legit and sleeper hold. Not a fake for TV one. Knocked no, me out. I had never seen, I'd never been more scared of anything I've ever seen with my own eyes than your face when you, when you first went out because it looked like you weren't going to come back. And then you yeah. came back and you were so confused. It was really frightening. I made a horse noise with my lips. I was like... <laughs> And then he said it was totally safe, and then I tried to do it to him afterwards, and he, like, tapped out before I even got near it. And then I go home and WebMD it, and it says, oh, you can definitely die from that. And my throat <laughs> was sore for seven days. Yeah, I remember. It just definitely changed your voice. It was like you went through a second puberty. Yeah, but uh, I still have that kilt he gave us. Uh, let me just say, do you, you really? I don't even think you finished the intro. You want to finish the intro? Yeah, well, this is what I do. Uh, the intro is... Uh, is, it's, it, is it much ta- later? It takes, the very end? People... It takes the entire uh, episode for me to get the intro People on. have to guess the whole time who this Th- is? That means I've done my job. Uh, <laughs> ben Glebe, you know, is the host of the uh, very successful Idiot Test, which uh, made it for many, many seasons. I didn't think it would make it one season. I was hurtful. I was way off. And spe- a lot of specials as well. Mm-hmm. And, it's on um, Netflix now, currently. And, and doing quite well. And I should mention, the only presidential candidate that has ever sat down in our studio to do an episode of Comedy Bombcast and what is fascinating, because I chatted with you right after you announced your, your campaign, and, yep. and since then I've been monitoring you, you've been you've been all over the place. Usually you see comedians, they're traveling all over the place, they're doing sets in Des Moines, and then they're at the, the ha-ha hole and the laugh, whatever, laugh factory. You're in, like, um, firehouses, you're speaking in... Uh, veteran centers. Yeah, a lot of veteran State centers. Prisons. Yeah, you're, you're all over the place. Puerto Rico. It's really, truly remarkable. What is Before we get into the actual bomb experience, which we'll talk about, that's why we're all here, what have the last, you know, whatever, eight months been like for you? It has been the journey of a lifetime. It has been intense and inspiring and crazy and exhausting and humbling. It's, it, it's nuts. I mean, to have people around the country, to go from being a comedian and our whole life is just being stupid and silly and, yeah, you make jokes that hopefully call out society on their hypocrisies and idiocies but generally we're not the most serious people and to do a 180 on that and even though I'm the comedian candidate I'm taking this very very seriously and I'm traveling everywhere and people are telling me that I'm the candidate they've been waiting for that I have their vote for president of the United States that I've inspired them that I'm the first donation they ever made in their life to a political campaign they registered to vote so they could vote for me it is 
mind-boggling and incredible. It really changes the way you see the world and see your own life. Do you think you are funnier now than when you started this? Definitely or? less funny. Less funny. Okay, I've lost just making sure. Of it. I've lost yeah, because a great because deal of once it. you start learning about the way the world really works, and right, you're now hanging out with people that you see the face that goes with whatever their hardship is, their struggle. Uh, as you said, and, and don't get me wrong, and I don't want to trivialize your entire comedy career to these jokes, but when, when you talk about what potheads buy at the grocery store, which is a routine you probably <laughs> haven't done in a while, uh, and uh, I, it's very funny, but yet it's not a hard-hitting topic. Not a hard-hitting topic, that's true. Even during the campaign, the, the stand-up shows I've been able to squeeze in, like some of the working man candidate needs to make a living during the campaign, even when running for president, my act is only maybe 10% political. It's still very silly and personal stories and making fun of people in the crowd. But um, it definitely changes the way you see things. It's a weird thing that went on in my brain throughout this whole campaign is I think my general disposition, while I'm incredibly passionate about politics and about things that matter in this world, my general disposition is pretty loose and light. You know me. I mean, we hosted a web series on Playboy. Yeah. And I love being silly and... That's my disposition. And then somebody will start talking to me about an issue or something that matters to them or sharing a problem or a struggle of theirs because I'm running for president. And instantly my sense of duty comes on and I flip a switch in my brain and instantly I go from like, hey, in my brain to being like, oh, it's – it's on. Now I need to be somebody that is a shoulder for this person. So comedian Ben Glebe versus citizen Ben Glebe, two very different people. Yeah, I mean, I think we're the same person, but it's just two different very sides of my personality and what I tend to, like, naturally default to. And so, like, one funny, stupid thing is, like, throughout the campaign, my argument is that I can beat Trump because I'm because he's the biggest heckler in political history, and I'm a comedian, and that's what you need to be a heckler. And I'll do all these interviews, and I'll make that point. But the first question everybody asks you is, you're a comedian, so is this a joke? So instead of being funny, I feel like I have to prove how serious and knowledgeable yeah, I am. Right. So I end up saying that I'm the comedian that's going to be Trump, and then I'm in an interview and I'm being super serious the whole time, <laughs> not making jokes. And they're like, so that's the joke? That's going to be Trump? And I'm like, well, damn it, you questioned my premise from the beginning, right? and I had to turn it on. Yeah, well, you should have brought that giant trunk of props with you. That's, <laughs> that, that made your whole, that made your whole camp a little bit more absurd. The country's should. broken. See, I have a map, I tear it. <laughs> be amazing. We have the first ever prop comedian running for- uh, First running, ever prop president. Prop president. Oh, man, that's, that's the way the world's headed, dude. Honestly, that's how you would be able to communicate to more of the country more effectively, because people really aren't reading as much, and uh, like their ideas real boiled down and simple. You know- I would imagine that... At least people that are supporting certain people. Right. I would imagine, though, that doing comedy, which you've been doing now, you know, and successfully for a long... I mean, pretty much from high school, right, is when yeah. you, you got going. So you've been at it a long time, and that's got to be the greatest training ground for for what you've been, what you've been doing for these past few months, right? Because you're, you're in front of... It's oh, all yeah. about winning crowds over, right? That's yeah. kind of the concept of this show, right? What happens when you lose a crowd and then you have to either win them back or does the crowd beat you and how does that affect you moving forward? And we'll talk about that in comedy specifically. But when you go in, just like you did early in your comedy career, I'm sure there were some times you were speaking in front of three people and, and hoping more would show up or maybe you start talking and two oh, leave yeah. and then it's just you and a refreshments table. Uh -huh. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, so there have been so many times. And, and, and by the way, let me just say one thing. I'm kidding. I hope that was clear when I say that I'm less funny. I, this definitely will be influencing if my campaign doesn't ascend to the nomination. Um, 
my comedy is going to be so informed by this and changed and so much more interesting because I have a life experience you couldn't duplicate. But firstly, even on this campaign, there have been comedy bomb moments, and that's super interesting because I know how to handle crowds like nobody's business. Like, that's what I've done forever, like you said. But people keep saying, be funnier, be funnier. So then I went and did one speech at the Seven County Rally in, in uh, Marion County, Iowa. And I had all these jokes I put in it, and I crushed. And it was like, oh, this is good. People are loving these jokes. So then I go a week, week, week or two later to Belknap County, New Hampshire, summer blue bash, Democrat blue bash. And I'm giving a speech. I'm following Andrew Yang. Or I spoke before Yang and after, after Marion Williamson, before Klobuchar. And I had all more jokes, and I put some of my stand-up bits about Trump and about politics in the speech. Nothing. No reaction. No reaction. Like maybe a chuckle out of 200 people. Nothing. And I'm sticking with them because I have this good run of bits. I'm sure it's going to win them over. Just nothing. I'm like, this crowd is not here for comedy. Did it? Uh, they are here for politics. It didn't work f- from the beginning. It it failed. Yeah. But you stuck with it because you had had success not only at the previous stop, but for you know your previous decade plus. Yeah, I knew that run of bits kills on the stand-up stage. I'm like, why wouldn't this work here? Oh, because people are here to find a leader for the country and don't want silly jokes when I'm doing my Trump impression. Okay. And they don't you want understand? that. Do you understand? <laughs> By the way, nobody else that does a Trump impression realizes the high register he sometimes goes to as well. They all go low. They all keep it like this or like this. I have one of the best Trump impressions in the game. Maybe sure, the best. You sure do. Maybe the best. Because you actually have range. I've ranged. You're my like Trump you're like a singer that can do alto and soprano. That's exactly right. Look at this face. That's, I that, know the years are showing. You know, I I was rooting for you. I've rooted for you my entire, you know, as long as I've known you, yeah, right? I've rooted for you're you. You're a great friend. You've had show, you know, shows on TV. You're doing hidden camera shows. You're, you're, you know, when Idiot Test came on. I mean, I've been rooting for you forever because I think to myself, Ben's a funny guy, but also he's a guy that appreciates a, a good uh, a rouge. You appreciate putting on the makeup before the, uh, before the shows, Thank right? Thank you so much. You're a big fan of that. You, ben is the one who taught me how to put on cover-up before you're going to go on camera. Sure. And I don't always do it. Even this campaign, I've only done it for certain big TV interviews. Well, I was going to say because you looked very, you looked very uh, presidential yeah. when I would kind of monitor what was going on. Yeah. And then there was times you looked very tired, and yeah. I thought to myself, "There's no way Ben looks tired accidentally because that guy knows how to do cover up better than anyone." So he must be putting on a face to look tired so that people <laughs> go, "This is a hardworking guy." No, I just have not slept very much in the last seven and a half months. I, it's an incredible amount of work. Like right now, I'm on four hours sleep. I was working until 6.30 in the morning on the campaign, on a video, and um, and had to come here and do this. And you like, you graciously let me come in 25 minutes late. Hey, listen, anything to get a uh, half an hour of your time in this uh, in the show, and we'll get back to all things Glebe 2020 momentarily. But we want to talk about, um, a, is there a bomb experience or a bomb story that happened either early in your comedy career Recently, uh, I know it's been a different sort of uh, path you've been on. Uh, is there something specifically that kind of still either lingers in your brain or when you talk about your, like, war stories from— I know it's kind of a weird term to use since you've actually just been hanging out with veterans for the past, you know, nine months on the road, but, uh, <laughs> like, comedy, things that didn't go according to plan. And, uh, and, and, I, and once again, I've seen you perform a lot. And I've never actually seen you bomb. But I would imagine, just because I've learned from doing the show— Everyone's got a few stories tucked away. Yeah. I don't, thankfully, I don't bomb fully very often because I just have so many tricks in my bag where I can get out of it. But something that's sick in my brain is, first of all, just in general, how funny 
the average person is. Like, I think if more people tried stand-up, and I hate to say this on, on air, they would be really good at it. But thankfully, more people don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I was doing a bringer show at the very beginning of my career. This is like 20 years ago, 19 years ago. And so you had to bring, like, what, five people to get stage time? Yeah, or this or? even might have been open mic at Buzz Coffee in the Valley. And packed place, but mostly comics, like most of these rooms are. And I'm on stage for six minutes, and every single joke, not a, not an ounce of sound from the audience. No response whatsoever, just stone-cold faces. Do you remember any of your jokes? Yeah, and it was bits that kill. I ended up doing the, most of these same bits on, on, on the Late Late Show a year, or, yeah, a year and a half later. But you just don't have the timing figured out, and that crowd happened to be just really judgy and not listening well and not cool and didn't like my jokes and whatever. I would but, argue not getting a response is a, is almost a better sign because it means they're angry. A crowd like that is upset or I angry hope. that you're the guy that's going to... Because I think they look at everyone in there like competition, right? Even yes, though. but that wasn't that. I was just eating it. I was pushing too hard. I was not reading the energy of the room, and I was kind of just... And I had these big act-outs. So one of them was about that Microsoft paperclip that used to pop out. Oh, yeah. So I would be like, I'm writing a letter. I haven't just read, read a normal letter, and all of a sudden a paperclip pops out. Hey, looks like you're writing a letter. Yeah, nobody asked you. Do you need a letter wizard, letter assistant? I'm like, I don't. I need you to shut the hell up. It was, you know, a basic opening in your comedy career joke, but it crushed. It used to crush. Yeah. I'm doing this goofy paperclip act out, and stone cold faces, which feels even worse when you're not talking, you're like performing this goofy voice. Right, you fully committed now to being a paperclip and yeah. you're getting zero back. I'm a bombing paperclip. <laughs> I couldn't hold two sheets together, Kevin. And so, then my next joke is about people who say adios instead of goodbye. And the joke is like, I go, adios. Look at this linguistic genius pulling out the one word everybody knows in Spanish. You think you're gonna Leave the room, people are going to start talking. Well, you think that guy is from Spain? <laughs> Pretty good joke. Yeah. I think I might have put it in my in my Showtime special a couple years ago, currently on Amazon Prime. And uh, no response again. And this one gay dude gets up, and the exit to the coffee place was right by the stage. And he oh. walks past me, and as he's crossing me, he goes, adios. And he uh, crushes the room. Crushed. Crushed. It felt so bad. I didn't even laugh at it because I was just like, oh. That is maybe the funniest. And and I've had quite a few stories of things that have been said to people from the crowd that either were a reaction to the bomb or triggered the bomb. That right there is so goddamn funny. It was ridiculous. It reminds me of not a bomb story, but gay men sometimes have just the greatest lines. And um, I was on tour with Dane Cook. And we were playing arenas all over North America. And, you know, Dame, one of the most popular comedians, yeah. especially at that time. And with the demographic you want, young people, you know. And we stop at a, at a mall to play in, our, in an arcade. I'm like an arcade in a hotel or something. And all of a sudden, Dane, I'm there with Dane, he gets swarmed by like 25 teenage girls, like 19, 20, 21. Swarm him. I think he's da- dating one of them now. <laughs> I think that's true. Going nuts. And, you know, you feel like, wow, you know, I wonder you know, when I'll get to that point in my career. And this 45, 50-year-old gay man, gray hair, walks through like Moses through the middle of the sea of young people, <laughs> past Dane, up to me and goes, I don't know who he is, but I love you on Chelsea Lately. 
<laughs> yeah, you made it. And I was like, I, I, I made it. This is my demographic. Yeah, that's it. And you, I love it. You found Very your crowd. Happy to have it. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. So, and you know what's uh, as a uh, side thing too? You wonder now with this, you know, cancel culture that exists. I'm doing this this slightly gay accent, and I wonder, is this bad? Am I going to be kicked off SNL now if I get hired by this voice? This is an, a fairly accurate representation of what sometimes gay people that lean into their act into their voice sound like. Yeah, but also it's not inaccurate. Uh, you're doing an impression of this doing one an person. Of this one person, right? And I'm not generalizing. No, other people could say, "Whoa, what is that?" This happened to be the experience that you had, and I've always thought. And listen, I, I've been canceled before. Uh, there's a lot of things I say. I made a I made a joke um, on on the radio recently. Uh, Taco Bell. Taco Bell canceled their, or was changing their menu and getting rid of a lot of their favorite things. And it just so happened that 9-12 was when that was happening. And I said, oh, 9-12 is going to be the new 9-11 for potheads or something like that. And uh, and people got very outraged by that. Very Because they yeah. think you're trivializing one of the worst days in the history of our country. Right. It's really not what you're doing at all. That's them making the connection, right? I'm just saying 9-12 is... using analogy for horrible things. It's a horrible thing. Not as horrible, clearly, but that's isn't that what isn't that what comedy is sometimes? Yeah, that's the thing that's really frustrating is that, and especially running for office, I have really had to like be careful what I say because I don't want to offend anybody. When it's a comedian, sometimes you do want to offend people, but as a comedian, you really should be given so much more leeway than comedians are given these days. It's ridiculous that you. The whole purpose of comedy is to push our boundaries, to challenge what is acceptable, to make people feel uncomfortable, to test that line, to make sure we're keeping each other honest. And if you don't allow that kind of artist the leeway to say inappropriate things, then art is going to be so sanitized and boring. Comics should be one of the few groups that get the most leeway. And so that's really something we're seeing wrong, like somebody being canceled off SNL for doing. I don't know all the full thing that he did. I think maybe I heard that there were other worse things. I don't remember. But if it's literally just for doing an accent, that's insane. Well, look at whether what somebody feels about Asian people. Look at what somebody feels about. Like I, one of my best friends in the world is is a, is a gay man. I was just best man at his wedding. Closest friend of me and one of my closest people in the world. I can also do a voice sometimes that's a funny voice of what sometimes certain gay people I've experienced sound like. Yeah. I'm a mimic. But once again, you're speaking to, you know, like I would like to believe that I get this, and I think that n- most rational people get it. But in the world that we've, we're living in, and you know it way better than I do because you've just been traveling all around, giving speeches, meeting people, you have so many uh, people that they don't even uh, get the firsthand account. They, they, their, rea- their reaction is to a reaction to right. a reaction, right? right? They're already three removed, right. and usually they know something very out of context and they see just the bullet point or the headline and that is how they form their entire opinion. And I think, and, and you know, I used to feel like if people, like you said, if people come to a comedy show, you would like to believe they're there because they like to laugh. They want to be entertained. They're, they're there saying, hey, make me laugh. Like, I'm not challenging you. I, I'm supporting you. By me buying a ticket, being here, drinking the drinks, I actually, but I feel like culture has somehow shifted where people now are looking to be offended, looking to be angry, looking... Yeah it's a different lens that people are looking yeah. at the world at. And so as a result, even like you said, when you were bombing at the political uh, uh, speech, um, it was you kind of learned pretty quickly these are people that aren't looking to laugh. They're right. looking to fix the country. And like, even look, though you I, wanted to do both, and I get it. I thought you made the most sense to me from the very beginning. You said, right, the, the president's a heckler. 
I stand up to hecklers. I've done it my entire career. I don't lose to them ever. Uh, but also, you're like a smart guy. You're a bright guy. And you were living a good life before you decided to run for political office. That was something you were doing very selflessly. Yeah, I put my life on hold for the last eight months trying to just offer another choice to the American people because I think we need to beat this guy. And I think the future of the world and our planet most certainly will not be in a good place if we suffer through four more years of him and I think we need to consider all serious options and that's why you're so awesome and I've been so frustrated by some of the biggest outlets our mainstream news our late night talk shows and some of the podcasts that have millions and millions of listeners that have not been open to having me on even their own these things show hosted by comedians is so gross it's so close-minded it, everyone's it, a heat seeker these days everyone's lazy regurgitating the same voices we already hear everywhere right because they don't want to find somebody or take a risk on someone they don't know exactly what they're gonna say they want to amplify voices that already are famous and then just have their conversation with them and that's lame that's 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 like not letting people sit at the cool kids table shit that should not can you swear on this yeah sure great shit I'll say Do it, it again. again shit you, you can offend people now. That's lame. That's very lame. And you should use, you got your platform because you're different and because people think you're unique. So seek out different and unique voices, especially when it comes to politics, because that's dangerous for our country. If you're going to only amplify anointed establishment candidates, that's a big mistake. But what do you think about people that in general people? say, because a lot of people just go, I don't want to talk politics. I'm so sick of politics. That's fine. Politics everywhere. I don't love that. And I don't really respect it very much because it's not. That's literally like like being in a burning building and saying, I don't really talk about fire. Well, you don't have a choice. <laughs> the building's burning. you right. got to focus on it right now. If stuff becomes chill again, by all means ignore politics. That's great. But we have an existential crisis, our values being eroded, our country being divided faster than ever. You must talk about it. It's the responsibility of every decent person to at least make their opinions known and do a little bit. Go to a protest. Post about your opinions. Make sure that you don't stand for certain behaviors in our society. So I don't really respect it in this current time because it's like a five-alarm fire right now. But you don't. But once you have a politician on, then you're taking on responsibility. You better be open to having on all different serious options. Did you get heckled at all on the campaign trail? Because oh, hell yeah. You, a lot. Not a lot, but it more happened because at, at a campaign event specifically um, – mostly like-minded people showing up and the, and the Trump supporters I would have conversations with were reasonable and we could have good talks and oftentimes they end up actually donating to my campaign one of them said to me you know we're actually not that far apart which was incredible to hear and, and a cool moment and are these people that knew you from idiot te- like they're like no, oh most you of these no didn't know you didn't know no. you from Chelsea you didn't Random know you from idiot, people. Did nothing no and then at, but at some of my comedy shows during the campaign, that's when it got heated because some of these people didn't know who I am, didn't know I'm running for office, didn't know they were seeing a candidate. And while I certainly am, didn't turn any of my campaign, my comedy shows into campaign events, I'm certainly not stump speaking, I'm doing jokes. And I just briefly mentioned to them, I'm running for president, here's kind of what I stand for, and you can talk to me after if you want to learn more. Talk to me outside, cash me outside. How about that? Is that what you said? Uh-huh. And it's a good catchphrase. Thank you so much. And this one Trump supporter, just after making a couple Trump jokes, starts screaming at me, stands up, rushes towards the stage, and he's like, F you, man. This is bullshit. My wife has cancer, and they're try- and Trump's trying to save her health care. I'm like, in what way? And he's like, this is bullshit. I'm like, come up on stage. I video this. I never released it. I should. I don't know why I didn't. 
and we're, he's in my face, I'm in his face, and I'm cussing at him back. F you, man. Do you want to listen? Do you want health care for your wife, or do you want to actually you want to just shout? Do you want to actually have a conversation? And he calms down, and we go back and forth, and I'm countering each of his points with actual facts and reason and logic and common sense. At the end of it, he goes to the crowd, I like this guy. Wow. Steps off, comes up to me afterwards, shakes my hand, and says, you have my vote. I don't know if any other candidate can do that. Convert and bring the country together. Convert Trump supporters. Bring us back towards one common vision. Was that more fulfilling or rewarding for you than any crowd that you've been able to turn or if you were going on a night at a club when all the comedians are coming off stage going, oh, it's a rough crowd tonight, oh, the crowd stinks tonight, and then you're able to go out there and put on a good, because I'm sure that's happened, right? It's I mean, some... it's hard to quantify, but it's been, it's pretty rewarding for sure because we're so splintered that any time we can calm people down and get us to see the same vision again is really, really important. Um, so I think those have been really nice moments for sure. Um, those have been really nice moments for sure. I'm trying to think of more bomb stories. you want more bomb stories? Well, I mean, listen, uh, you know, you, you're... I was going to say, if, if you think Ben Glebe sounds exhausted, imagine living the routine that he's been going through since he decided he was going to run for president. Uh, and it was like, um, there was all these different, you know, got to get through this hurdle, got to get through this hurdle. It's not an easy thing to, to even do. Even, even, to go, even to do what you've done so far is already super impressive. Thanks, and man. as you said, you know, you're a working comedian, right? Like before that, you were traveling, but it was not at that click, right? You would oh, yeah. go to a comedy club for the weekend, you do a bunch of shows. And just your days are chill. Like you have two, one or two shows at night. Right. Your whole day's open. And now, even when doing a comedy show, but even for campaign events, I have like three, four, five, six events during the day. This man loves his country. He loves comedy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if you're not familiar with the work of Ben Glebe, I highly recommend uh, you check the man out. Uh, he's a. Uh, not only is he popping up on things, Netflix is a good place to check out the Idiot Test show, which uh, became very quickly a kind of a cult thing, which yeah. I think people use the word cult to describe shows that don't do well, but it, it did very well. Yeah, it did we incredibly well. Yeah, were the number well. one show on GSN for a few years. I was the face of their network. The show is still on GSN. You can get on demand many more episodes because we did 210 episodes and Netflix only has the first 20 and we got so much better. And so you can watch them there too, but bigger, place. Bigger idiots on that show or in politics? Oh, bigger idiots in politics for sure. Yeah, you know we need to get regardless of your party affiliation, we have to get the money out of our politics big time because it just corrupts it. And we have all these people that are self-interested and greedy and pretend they want to make change and really don't. That's why it's nice to have people from the outside. We need way more people from the outside that don't need politics, that aren't power hungry, just want to come help for a few years and then bounce out. Um, so please check out Glebe2020.com if you're interested in my comedy stuff and my upcoming dates. You can go to BenGlebe.com and. Um, you can watch my hour special on Amazon Prime. <clears throat> you can watch my interview with Larry King and other campaign things and speeches I've given on my Instagram or YouTube. Just search Glebe2020 or Ben Glebe on Instagram. Where can they watch Couch Crashers? Couch Crashers. You're going to have to dig so deep on the internet. I don't think you can find them. I think you have to go to the uh, the dark web where people buy yeah. like nuclear Four weapons and probably. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Why can't you find <laughs> Couch Crashers? You can uh, find everything. You can find everything on the internet that anyone's ever done. But for some reason, try to find an old episode of us walking around, uh, you know, the Vans we literally break the internet. The Vans Warp Tour, and uh, yeah. we, and we can't get it. Uh, well, that was a great episode. It was fantastic. That was a nice time. Uh, we got into a churro uh, fight. 
a churro sword fight, which is not a euphemism. We actually uh, thank fought God with it wasn't. And we also rode miniature bikes, oh, which man. also is not a euphemism. I never and gave, it couldn't even be. I never really. gave mine back. I still have it. Uh, ben Glebe, <laughs> uh, always uh, good to talk to you. A friend uh, I consider a very, very, very funny comedian who's uh, standing up to do what is right. Thank you. Which man. is more than I can say for myself. Uh, thanks for hanging out this episode of Comedy Bombcast. Oh, and let me say one more thing. Yes, please. I know you're doing a great ramp down there. No, no, I'm, I was actually getting. To... I was about to finish your intro. <laughs> um, well, please include in the intro that you know our. The days of our campaign might be numbered. We don't have a ton of money left, and we're competing against political machines with millions and millions of dollars. How much have you spent so far? A lot. And we've had a big staff, and we've made this money stretch further than you'd imagine. We're currently you got a nice coat. I'm not, saying you're, you. I'm not saying you're blowing the campaign money on your wardrobe. We're but. currently the 15th highest fundraising active Democratic campaign. That's pretty impressive. Out of hundreds of candidates. Yeah. But we're running low, and our days might be numbered. So whether... Our campaign continues very far or not. I want. I hope everybody subscribes to my podcast, Last Week on Earth, because that's where I'm going to – I turn politics and everything happening in the country, pop culture and everything in the world, into a very funny, weird, hour-long conversation every week so you can be kept abreast of things. We can have a conversation. You can be part of my brain trust, and we can try to advance our thoughts while laughing at the absurdity of all of it. Uh, it's a great show. I've uh, listened to many episodes. I believe I'm – currently a subscriber so what do you think about that that? i like that so much uh glebe 2020 and ben glebe uh thank you for hanging out with us here in the uh in the comedy bombcast you're Uh, welcome does the interview start now the interview is going to start right now ladies and gentlemen you know him from his showtime special and so many other things the great ben glebe is here thank you so very much i gotta pee though can we actually not do this 